0: kqed
1: my name is minister marvin k white and on behalf of ben and Emma Be amawoke i welcome you all to the celebration of life of garvey woke amawoke it is a source of great comfort to the parents of woke that you decided to stay and keep woke on your mind as we recall his cut too short life Woke was born in 1942 in Chicago and attended La Montessori, a prestigious all-black Montessori school. Woke loved activism, collecting vinyl, reading Angela Davis, and quoting Michelle Alexander. Woke was a viral sensation but never learned to monetize his wokeness, but he loved him some Erica Badu. True story. I remember Woke telling me over kombucha, I'm so woke that I once convinced the manager at Office Depot that manila folders and colored paper are racist descriptions and that instead he should use folders of color and paper of color. Next, he asked why number two pencils had to be black lead. I think the best my conscious black ass could do was choose brown sugar over white sugar for my oatmeal. For me, It was all about the low-hanging fruit coast and staying kind of like woke. Scripture says, You see, Adam had ribs. You see, then God gave Adam the itis. Then Eve, from out of nowhere, took one of Adam's ribs off his plate. And then Eve helped herself to the apples that God set aside for God's pie. And then Eve asked God for salt for the first time. You see, Eve had a recipe come to mind. Mind been coming to men for a while, but Eve come to mind. Got right up in mind's face. Yes, Eve had a taste for something different. No shame in her game, and that's why God uninvited her forever from God's barbecues. Because Eve was woke as fuck before Adam. This Eve and this woke had much in common. They were both taken out of context at birth eve wanted to lay down and woke wanted to get up and now they both have but here's the thing that woke knew when you wake up from the dream and your fist is still clenched and raised above your head is when you know that you fight in the spirit of white supremacy and state violence on a whole nother level woke knew that the prayers be like protest in malls of america because the spirit of empire show up quick to make sure you have a nightmare Being woke means staying awake even in your dreams and knowing that white supremacy is a witch that rides your sleeping body to do her bidding. Let us pray. Lord, help us to root out the spirit of restlessness in black people's sleep. Help us name everybody and everything, ancestral and contemporary, family or foe, who doing dirt on that astral plane. Record and share their demon's name, Lord, so that we might fight back. Amen. Woke, thank you for all that you came into this world to do and all that you gave us. And as we say to you now, now fleek, now bay, now yes, and hot, on sleigh, on laid, on no tea and no shade, to the top of the porch, to the windows, to the walls. Now sashay away, Stacy Dash away dash of salt away all. Amen.
2: For me, this concept of woke died the moment people began to think of woke as a destination. Woke has pretty much been synonymous with that thing some well-meaning white people do. There's a type, those who have read some books or done some activism, and now they think they've got it all figured out. They believe they have the best intentions, but in the end, their actions do more harm than good. I'm Tanya Mosley, and on this episode of Truth Be Told, how do you deal with well-meaning white folks who just don't get it?
3: Dear Truth Dear Be truth Told, be Truth told, Be
2: Told, I need your help.
4: There is so much conversation about racism and sort of discrimination in America that gets wiped away because it because the premise on which it's centered is like, well, it wasn't, it, it's not happening out of animus, right?
2: Meet Gene Dinby. We brought him in as our wise one. He's the co-host of the NPR podcast, Code Switch.
4: And it's like, okay, they will make it no less racist. And so I think there's something about the whole notion of um, being well-intentioned that is like uh, sort of a, a way to derail real like messy conversations about race because intentions don't matter, effects do.
2: Gene is a really good listener. We hung out at a conference once and he let me talk his ear off. So... In this episode of Truth Be Told, Jean is going to help me answer two questions on the topic of well-meaning white folks, at home and at work. Our first question comes from a woman we're calling Woke at Home.
0: Dear Truth Be Told, I'm an Afro-Brazilian woman writing to you from New England. My white boyfriend's family is super politically engaged. They fight for equal rights and, living in Georgia, are almost obsessed with fighting racism. I sure appreciate them as allies. But they keep talking about people of color as they, always third person, as if they don't realize I am sitting right there. That they are describing my people and my experiences with little regard for my psychological safety, or even considering that the trauma runs much deeper when it's personal. I haven't been able to talk to anyone, though, about this. I guess I fear it will end up being a value judgment. What should I do? How should I approach this?
2: Jane, help. Ooh, that sounds like a lot. I um, know.
4: Um, so there seems like a few different things. Here, yep. right? Like, um, it sounds like, um, is it safe to say that this family is an all-white family, right? Like
2: yes, they're all-white right? family.
4: Okay. Um, Tanner Colby wrote a book a couple years ago called some of my best friends are black and he was just he was like I live in Brooklyn at the time uh, I voted for Obama and everyone was really proud of themselves that they voted for Obama in in 2008 and he's looking around he's like yo None do any of a- us actually know any black folks like do we right. know any black people in real life he was from Alabama like from outside of Birmingham yeah. he's like I don't know any actual black folks that I'm cool with I mean Chris Rock had this joke about like he was like yo he's like when I say friend I mean somebody who you have over for dinner you know what I mean Right? Like, have they been in your house
1: friends have a bunch of white friends and all my white friends have one black friend
4: we always joke about this idea called race inflation like that person ain't really a friend right that is like a person like you talk at work sometimes and he that person is conveniently inflated into friends that's your neighbor them you them know down
2: the street yeah say exactly. hi when you're like cutting grass exactly
4: <laughs> right I mean we talk a lot on code switch about like social spaces right and the way the social spaces are made up um And there was a study a couple years ago by this dude who um, I'm a big fan of uh, named Robbie Jones. He works at um, the Public Religion Research Institute and they do these big public opinion surveys and they just sort of ask people questions about the way they live their lives. Right. And um, they ask this very sort of straight ahead question, like they ask people to sort of list their closest friends. Right. What they found was that, like, 75 percent of white people have no non-white friends Mm. and their close social circles Mm -hmm. right and his point was sort of at the time was that um one of the reasons that ferguson seemed like uh really visceral for so many people of color and black people in particular and why it seemed like why there were so many white people like wait what is everyone talking why is everyone so upset was like because we're talking about two completely different sets of experiences and that's true even of well-meaning white people
2: You know, at the heart of Woke at Home's question is that she's not feeling seen.
0: They're so passionate about Black people's rights and lives, and I never see a person of color in their house. Like, that really bothers me. Like, you don't have Black friends, you, don't, you know what I mean? I just just don't understand how it's almost like water and oil. Like, there were instances when I am in his hometown where I'm the only person of color in a room of, you know, 50 people. And yeah, they're talking about black people and their rights and what to do to change and it's just it feels so empty.
2: Like in the day to day, she she sees that they don't really interact with black people except for her. But right, yet they're right. talking about it as if she's not in the room. I mean, I mean how would you say so, she deals with that?
4: She might need to like just ask her boyfriend to step up like yo, mm-hmm. like because it might be too hard for her to make that like look like this is making me uncomfortable, and I would like you to sort of curb this. Like, he
2: she needs to get him on her side. Yeah, it can't all be time. on her. She has to, yeah, he's the right. one who has introduced her to the environment. So he Absolutely. has to have some sort of place in it.
4: My fiance is a woman of color, but she's not black. So we talk about race all the time. So a bunch of our friends and I were, just, were kicking it. And we were playing spades, and they were recalling a party in which there's a black woman with a white partner. Um, in which that white partner, that white husband of this black woman, was showing his entire ass. Like, he was just asking all these very stupid questions. He was also, like, saying all this wild stuff. Like, when, like and what? there was a game they were going to play. They were going to play this game. It was sort of a taboo style game in which uh, everyone was like, We're not going to play this because it required people to do accents. And all the people in the room were brown. They were all different kinds of brown, but they are all in the room and like, Nope, we're not going to play that game because once we start doing accents, somebody's going to do something really racist. Right, so we're not going right. to do it. And he was like, Why? Why are you guys being so sensitive? Like, and, and I was like, <laughs> (laughs) And so then we were all, like, retro, like, you know, after the fact, like, what? Like, why understand how she married this dude? And it got to a point where she brought, she felt comfortable enough bringing him to a brown party with a bunch of black and Latinx people (laughs) kicking it. And he was showing his entire ass, which means they never talked about about it. They've never
2: talked about it. Yeah.
4: And it's like you're do- like right. leaving aside sort of like the actual issue of like you know what your husband's out here saying ignorant you know, stuff wouldn't you just feel em- like don't want to protect yourself from being embarrassed like you know what I'm saying Like, you don't even here. know what
2: happened when they went home that night hopefully I mean, something <laughs> happened hopefully <laughs> but they didn't get to the
4: point where they got married when that yeah. was the first you know what I'm saying right. like if that was the first time when they went home that night that she said something to him it's already too late it's sis. so it's just late. you know yeah. it's too late <laughs>
2: So if you could sum up your advice for woke at home, what would be your mm-hmm. advice for her?
4: Um, first of all, you're not tripping, number one. But two, um, you got to get Bay to, like, you know, pull his weight a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. he has to say something. It's hard in a family when you're the person who's not in the family, when you're, like, marrying into the family or dating someone in the family to be the person who's asking for people to change their behavior. Like, your person has to advocate on your behalf to their family. Like, that just is the way it is. Whether that's like telling them to not smoke around you or to, you know what I mean? Or telling them to like not be woke around you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to figure out a way that he has to step up there. So that's what I would say. Like, like you're not bugging and also you got to nudge him uh, or maybe like be very, very forthright with him that he has to like, if there's going to be any conversation between you and the family, he has to do the prep work for that. He has to get them ready for that idea.
2: How does woke at, home talk to her boyfriend how would you suggest she talks to her boyfriend about
4: listen okay so this is the thing that i feel very strongly about if you're in a racial relationship you should be talking about race all the time Right. like it's not like i don't understand like how does she talk like look you just talk about it like you just it is not some neutral fact of your relationship you know what i mean it's like a thing that you like you know what i mean like you have to talk about it it's not i don't i don't understand how people are like how do i talk to my my non-brown partner listen like If you have... he, You are a brown presence, partner, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is your life, right? They're going to be implicated in a bunch of stuff, right? You know what I mean? Like, their whiteness is going to be implicated in your life in all these ways, right? And your brownness is going to be implicated in their lives in all these ways, right? And if you have kids together, that's going to be... There's a whole bunch of very real conversations you need to have, right? And if, if, if this cat is from as a progressive family, as as she says that his family is then he might have some of the like language to start to have these conversations but like they need to be talking about this stuff all the time because it's not nothing right it's, it's like i mean people people have all sorts of conversations about where they want to live and you know what i mean and yeah. like where they want to send their kids to school those are conversations about race i'm but, sorry
1: yeah. you know
2: what i mean like i yeah. also would say like it's the perfect time for her. If they haven't been talking about it, it's not too late. They're not married. Yeah, it's not, they're they're not like, married. you know, this can be the time and even if they are married, like, you know, you'll find out, Jean, the whole part point of marriage is like it's just a nego it's like working through yep. things your entire <laughs> marriage. So mm-hmm. it's nothing that's like a deal breaker over, although it's a big deal. But you'll spend the deal. time yeah. Spend the time to try to work on it.
4: I would think that if you really care about a lot of these things, right? That like you and your partner have to be on the same page about some basic stuff, right? Whiteness is a very specific force in American life, mm-hmm. has very specific consequences for people. We need to talk about that, right? Like we need to we need to have a conversation about who I am in relation to you, in relation to your family, right? Like and and where you are in relation to like a lot of these questions about race and about anti-blackness in America because it's not you know, like see so your point about some my of my friends are black. Like, I'm not trying to be your partner and the black friend you reference right. when you do something racist. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean?
2: You know, there's also that other place where most of us spend eight to ten hours a day. What do you do about well-meaning white folks at work? How to survive woke at work after this message. Our next question comes from Woke at Work, a woman of color
3: who works in a majority white office. As a black woman, it's an onion of challenges that could be anything from how do I ask if I can be invited to a meeting that I should have been invited to but was not, or it could be anything that is like, how do I get my voice in on something that I own and that I'm leading um, that pretty much kind of blocks me out uh, from the get go.
2: Woke at Work is talking about passive aggressive behavior. And, you know, that can sometimes feel like gaslighting. It makes you ask yourself, do I belong here? And in a white majority space, that's always
3: about race. I realized I wasn't being myself when I found myself silencing myself in meetings, in um, spaces where I thought that I could provide valuable insight, Um, and I had to really sit back in that when I first felt myself kind of subconsciously disciplining myself and censoring myself. Um, I it it took me a, a minute to kind of digest that of like why did you do that to yourself dear truth be told how do i retain my truth my boldness my unapologeticness while working in a passive aggressive white majority space all right jean I was
4: going to ask you to go first. I was very curious. I mean, um, you are a black woman. Yeah. Uh, You work in public radio. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're working in majority white spaces and public radio is famous for being, uh, you know, nice.
2: I would take stock in thinking about, like, my understanding of the dynamics of the room, of my teams, Mm -hmm. of the people that I'm working with. And I hate to say it, but that, like, people care about you when you care about them you have to like do all of this extra emotional work with all the people Mm -hmm. that you're working with and thinking about the dynamics and their place in the company their place on the team and then strategically work through that to make sure that you are being seen that you're being heard and you're being seen and heard by the right people so Mm -hmm. that your your ideas can be amplified. And also kind of like being intentional with that, like building allyship with people you might see on your team that you're like, okay, I know that they're they're acting this way because they're vying for someone's eye or they want a particular space on a particular project. And so thinking about ways that you can be allies where they're amplifying you and you're amplifying them. But I first want to acknowledge for her that it's really painful and it's hurtful when you work hard and you're in these situations and then you're just being ignored. Like yeah. that's a lot of, bur- that's a big burden and it takes. Takes you, it actually like hinders you from doing your best work ultimately because you're carrying Absolutely. that emotional burden. So,
4: and you don't yeah. often know like what it's a like it, you know, like like is it is it is it because I'm the black person in this room? Like I mean, it yep. feels it feels very viscerally like okay, this uh, people are not engaging with me in the way in which they're engaging with other people. Yeah, and this is the thing that makes me different from other people. Is this what this is about? Right? You know what I mean? And yep. then you have to do all the sort of like you know, reckoning with that or, you know what I mean? And and how do you feel about that? And like, you know, and there's obviously no way to just ask somebody like, yo. Mm-hmm.
2: Right, because that changes the not... dynamic completely.
4: So we all know like the, the sort of the drawbacks of her speaking up like forcefully, right? And then being like, oh, she's the angry black lady, right? Mm-hmm. But there's also no benefit from not speaking up either, you know? It's mm-hmm. sort of the, the mm-hmm. sort of the rough situation she's in. Like, she... She says that she feels like she can't be unapologetic and she can't speak up, but, I mean, she almost has no choice, right? I mean, right. she could either suffer in silence or suffer, like, having spoken her truth, you know?
2: I mean, Yeah, yeah. And, you know, with all things being on the table, with all of those, with her trying all of those steps... If she's still feeling at the end that like it's about race, she needs to mm-hmm. document it. And she needs to mm-hmm. then at a certain point go to HR and make it be known if it is something that is overt and blatant at a certain point.
4: I think you're right. I think and you know, I mean Tanya, you know this. Like so many people of color leave organizations because of stuff like this you know yeah, what i mean like yep. i mean i don't want to be like listen like even if you end up moving the needle a little bit like you this is going to be uphill battle all the time and maybe you need to find a different you know like a different place to do to apply your trade you know mm-hmm. and to like to like you know to, sh- to, to show what you can do but like this happens in every industry right and it happens to people of color everywhere it's like listen it's it's going to take too much effort just to move these things a little bit to do this but you know we've all been there like this is like when you hear when brown people get together and like what is it like to work here and they're asking other brown people they're like are white people gonna be tripping there like this is the thing that i need to like be on guard for am i gonna like is it gonna be some bullshit
2: yeah this Mm -hmm. happens all the time has this do you have a story has anything ever happened to you in your career that's far uh, enough out that you could bring up.
4: <laughs> Listen, I ain't trying to blow up no spots.
2: No uh, spots but, here. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm trying to blow up no spots. But, I mean, I'll say this, that, like, every newsroom I've ever been in has been overwhelmingly white. These are dynamics that are true, in like, in every newsroom, in almost every place in corporate America. But, like, man, like, the stuff that people have said <laughs> that mm-hmm. I can't repeat and it's like, some of them are well-meaning white folks, like we talked about. Yeah. Um, and some of them were, like, this is the kind of thing that I can't even go report because no one will believe me. You know what I mean?
2: Mm. (sighs) You bring up a really good point, though, because, like, if we all... This is the the sad truth. If we all took this on and went to HR about the things that have happened over the course of our careers, like, this would probably change the trajectory of your careers because we'd be going to HR about things that then we'd be fighting this battle in a way that, like changes your ability to be able to thrive in organizations. That's just like a fact.
4: Yep. Like, to be brown in a corporate space is to have to swallow a bunch of stuff. You know?
2: Yeah. The other thing with Woke at Work is that this, and I know how she feels, like, she talks about being silenced. That has Mm -hmm. to carry over outside of life, like, outside of work. When you get home, you're ranting, like we said, to your friends or your family. Like, what self-care tips would you give her? And what are some self-care things you do for yourself um, so that you can kind of survive and thrive?
4: I mean, this is hard for me. Uh, I will admit this. But I think it's also, it's like is hard for a lot of people, not just black folks or, or people of color, but like, Work can take up so much of our lives, right, that, like, it becomes maybe too central to our identity sometimes, you know? And so, like, sometimes our sort of aggravations with work or sort of our, the things that frustrate us about work can, like, spill out into like, all the other parts of our lives. And to the extent that any of us can sort of partition those things off, and I know that that's, like, easier in some jobs than it is in others, like, we should actively endeavor to, like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, actually act like, actively be like, this is my weekend. Yeah. Yeah what we're not doing this weekend is talking about work. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like what we're we're doing is all the other things that edify us and, you know, whether that's watching The Office, yep. <laughs> a binge-watching The Office, or, or or episodes of Living Single, or, or hanging out with your family, whatever. Like. Or
2: reading gossip magazines, that's me.
4: Exa- listen, I'm whatever it is, reading
2: magazines. What, what, magazines,
4: like physical magazines?
2: Glossy yeah, magazines? Really? Absolutely. really? That's love, what you're doing? Yes, I love it. It's not the same when you're laying in bed and you're like, got a tablet or something. You gotta have like a <laughs> right, real exactly. magazine. But you run yeah. too, right? Or yeah, Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. That is I'm total
4: therapy, right? Oh, Man, it's is the only time I like and guaranteed not to be on Twitter. Because um, <laughs> you can't run uh, and be on Twitter. Because you can't run and be on Twitter. I mean, you could, you might get hurt, but like you know, I mean, I just, I mean, there's so I I found it to be incredibly like important to my sanity. There's so many, especially if woke we'll, at we'll work is like a young person like starting our career. There's so many people like who are just like young millennials and like. Like who are like living in a sort of like slow rolling depression, you know what yeah, I mean? Because like cool. just of the because they can around this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and like I mean, like I honestly like
2: Therapy. like I started
4: seeing a therapist two months ago. That's been like incredibly I cannot I mean, it's really it's has, it, is it can cost prohibitive. It has been like the after the first session with my woman, with my therapist, black woman, it was very helpful. Like it was like immediately like I felt it didn't fix anything but it just like being able to externalize a bunch of stuff like
2: yeah, with a non-partial person who's, like, this who like someone who doesn't know
4: me life. who's not doesn't you know what i mean like someone who's not a friend who doesn't who's not my family who's not like they have no sort of they don't you know like yeah. just yeah like i'm you know it's just like i just need to say these things out loud yep. um and they can be ridiculous but I need to say them to someone who is not gonna, you know, it's not like, you know, I mean, just I just need to say them to somebody who doesn't know me and is not invested in me in this kind of way, you know. It's yeah. so important. The folks at Another Round, their podcast. Yeah. Um, when it was around the the daily department, Another Round, they used to always talk about, you know, like go go to therapy, yep. take your medications, call your mom, you know what yeah. I mean, like yeah. just drink your water, like you know what I mean, like those like yeah. very simple things, but yeah. like um therapy is the hardest thing on that list but it's like like maybe the most sort of important you know what i mean
2: i used to love when they say drink your water because you know my mom would always (laughs) say to me have you drank water have you she still says it today have you drank water today yeah
4: I would say, like, it's hard to be, like, stand out there on faith and, like, say stuff, but you might need to. You know what I mean? You might need to advocate for yourself. As you said, you might need to, you have to, you might have to actively intentionally find allies at work. Not just allies, like, with the fist in the airway, but allies, like, <laughs> in the sort of, like, we're collaborating on stuff way. Um, mm-hmm. So people are invested in you. Um, and also, like, find a way to fill yourself up outside of work, you know? Um see a therapist drink your water um and and find a way to sort of like uh, affirm and 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 find like just a respite from the sort of like weird petty office dramas they always sound really life and death to us you know and they often they sometimes are like really really important um but often like are exhausting as the friend of people who were complaining about like the you have to like almost need to like a a chart to figure out the office politics they're explaining to you. Like, let me tell you about this woman who did not CC me on this thing. And it's like, I, I know this is important, but I don't know who these people are. I'm probably are. guilty get... of that too, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait, so what? what is, who is this person? In? Oh, that was you. Know, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, consider like, is this a space you want to be in? You know, yeah. is this the kind of professional space you want to continue to invest time in? But if it is a thing, whether or not you decide to say there or not, look for like, talk to, it, find a therapist. You know what I mean? Like it, it might help you think through some of these big questions about like how you can be your most authentic self even if it's not at work.
2: I think we're Can't coming to up. that like collectively. I mean, as you said, it can be cost prohibitive for for many people, but even then there are services that are available. Like they're becoming it's becoming more and more of a mainstream thing with black mm-hmm. communities in particular and with all communities that like mental health is an important part of our survival and Absolutely. like taking care of your mental health, seeking out a therapist I need to do it. Do you know in producing this show, like everybody who's like <laughs> awesome and brilliant has gone to therapy and I'm okay. After we're done with this show, I'm like going to yes. do some research. Yeah. <laughs> Get on that. yeah. Gene Denby, co-host of NPR's Code Switch. As always, it is a pleasure to talk with you. I know there's going to be some well-meaning white folks out there in their feelings about this episode, but you know what? In doing this show, I've realized just how much I've had to navigate around, silence myself, or be strategic in my dealings with well-meaning white folks who just don't get it. We live in a society that values their feelings over our well-being. Screw that. In the end, we've got to put ourselves and our well-being first. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Woke, you will be missed, but your memory will carry on in memes, SNL skits, and the internet. Because you know, it never forgets. Hey, this conversation isn't over yet. I want to hear your well-meaning stories and some of your solutions. Just add us at Truth Be Told Show on Twitter. It's a for-real party over there, y'all. And speaking of parties, I'd love for you to join us in person for a live taping of our show. It's in Oakland, California on June 13th, and it's going to be lit. For tickets, head to kqed.org events. Can't wait to see you there. On our next episode of Truth Be Told, before we even know who we are and what we want out of life, women are expected to mother, to ultimately be mothers. And for women of color, there are these added pressures. How are we going
0: to do this? And who's going to pay for everything? The pressure is a Latina from my extended family.
2: You couldn't be a mother if you were a slave. As a woman of color, should I become a mother? That's next time on Truth Be Told. This podcast was produced by Christina Kim and edited by Sandia Dirks. Our sound engineer is Enrico Benjamin. Thanks to KQED's head of podcasts, Julie Kane, KQED's managing editor for news, Vinnie Tong, executive editor of news, Ethan Lindsay, and chief content officer, Holly Kernan. A special thanks to Reverend Marvin K. White, who wrote that amazing woke eulogy for Truth Be Told. Truth Be Told is funded in part by a grant from the California Wellness Foundation with a commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. The foundation's vision is for every resident of California to enjoy good health and experience wellness. And while you're listening on Apple Podcasts, NPR One, YouTube, or wherever you get your shows, please take a second to leave us a review and a rating. It helps other people find our show. Thank you. Truth Be Told is a production of KQED in San Francisco. I'm Tanya Mosley. when you hear the word woke what comes to mind for you uh so it was a time
4: you know back in the day when eric Badu was saying and everybody was like oh it was just like a you know a sort of, yeah mm-hmm. yeah sort of joking like you know i'm not but like talking about this idea of like being aware and conscious or whatever you know Um, And sometimes, you know, a little paranoid, too. Like, oh, stay woke. They're putting fluoride in our water to make us whatever. Mm. Um, But, like, then it became this thing that was kind of co-opted by white folks, um, as things tend to be. Um, And then, like, it almost always sounds a little ironic. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, it now feels very um, jokey. Like, you see a lot of people on the right.
3: Like well,
4: pointing to wokeness It basically does this catch-all term for any sort of like um, anything they like link to like identity politics at all it's like a bad thing right yep. um, and so when, whenever I hear woke now it's almost always in reference to white people now um,
2: me too um, white
4: people who yeah. get it to your, to your point what well-meaning white folks